Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitale, and this week we have swapped out James Galizio, who will be missing in return for getting Adam back on the podcast. So joining me, we've got Adam Vitale. Hello. We've also got Josh Torres. Nice trade. Welcome back, Adam. Thank God. Just kidding. <laughs> wow. Savage. <laughs> and uh, Chao Minwoo. How's it going? So this is uh, what we plan to have as our, I believe, second to last regular episode of the TetraCast for this year. We'll be recording this weekend and likely next weekend. And then uh, it likely won't be published until the very end of the year or early next. But following that will be our big game of the year podcast as the regular podcast takes a short break for the holidays. Uh, we're in December now, so that we all kind of knows what that means. We're scrambling to get our list finalized. We've got the game awards to look forward to next week, uh, whether it's for the awards themselves or hopefully uh, looking forward to some neat announcements. We'll be obviously talking about that next week. If anything cool or interesting comes out of that, uh, we've all obviously got the big final fantasy 14 expansion that just launched and people I assume are either playing or waiting to play. Uh, maybe that's where James at. Maybe that's what Chow's doing. Uh, and you know, so many, I, I can other. tell you just, uh, if you want a queue for this game, it'll take you 90 minutes to get in on average. So that's not uh, bad. 90 minutes isn't bad. Could is be it worse. not bad? There's so many other games you could play for this. There, there is one problem, though. If you AFK and sometimes the game will kick you out, if you don't get in that immediately, you'll lose your queue position. So that Wait, but like, why would you AFK? Why, why, if you finally get in, why would you be like, all right, I would No, because you're all tab saying that you're queuing, right? So people will oh. be like, yeah. So if you're not keeping an eye on your queue position. Yeah, because the game will crash from unexpected lobby error or something like that. It's called the 2002 error for some reason, right? So. So, Chow, out of out of all the time that you've attempted to play, like, what is your ratio of actual play time versus queue time right now? Um, fifty fifty. I played about three hours, I think, of the New York. Oh, fifty fifty. That's not bad. <laughs> maybe three hours in queue. Uh, so obviously talking about the content of Endwalker, we're likely going to table that because obviously it just came out. Um, it won't be in consideration for our end of the year's talk. Uh, MMOs take a long time to kind of chew through in general. So I'm guessing uh, once we reconvene the podcast early 2022, uh, we'll get James and Chow and maybe some others to kind of talk about their experience uh, as they play it over the next coming months. In the meantime, we obviously spent a lot of last week kind of going some uh, over some final thoughts on some November releases, namely Shin Megami Tensei, Ruined King, and uh, Pokemon. And I know that some of us are still working through those, and some of us uh, are putting those off for, for later just because we can't squeeze in everything for the year. Uh, this week's going to be a, a bit of the same, just kind of what people are you know trying to you know dip their toes into or wrap up as we get into the end of the year. One of the games that kind of released under the radar, it is a remaster, so maybe not surprisingly, that I know Adam has actually put a lot of time into, is um, one of the Final Fantasy pixel remasters, which have obviously been kind of been doled out through the year. Uh, and that is the Final Fantasy V pixel remaster. Now, I do know that we talked about Final Fantasy V way back uh, earlier in the year when uh, James was playing through it, but 
uh, I do kind of also want to hear Adam's take specifically about his, you know, impressions on the remaster itself, because uh, it is kind of like a, an underserved game. I feel like here in the West, it feels like it's kind of always in the shadow of four and six. So now we've got this convenient, at least if you have a PC or a mobile device version of that game. So, uh, Adam, just uh, go ahead and just tell us what your time has been like with the uh, Pixel remaster for Final Fantasy V. Yeah, so I've always been a fan or a champion, you can say, of Final Fantasy V. So I first played it, and I think most people uh, are in the same boat who have played it. I first played it when the GBA version released, you know, in the early or well, mid-2000s. That was the first English official version, right? No, there no? was an anthology version on PlayStation 1, I believe. Oh, right. right? Yeah. yeah, so it was the second English release. Um, if I remember correctly, Final Fantasy Five on GBA actually came out after the DS release. It was kind of weird. Um, so it was like late in the GBA life. But um, yeah, I've always been a really big fan of it. You know, obviously its biggest, uh, you know, like, you know, centerpiece is its job system. Is It was kind of the very first Final Fantasy game um, with that thorough job system. It kind of evolved to what Final Fantasy 3 had. But in terms of like the mix- uh, mixing and matching um, you know, the different jobs like Thief and Blue Mage and Black Mage and Dragoon and all these different jobs. It had a really cool system in place where you can learn the abilities of one job and then you can take them over as you transfer to a different job and you can mix and match a bit. And this is the sort of system that would later be seen and basically the inspiration for Bravely Default games. Uh, so it's a, it was a, it's a really cool system. It's extremely flexible. And I have... I've always been fond of that. It does mean that the game is sort of uh, it's very flexible in the sense that if you allow yourself to basically uh, for for the full freedom to do whatever you want in terms of the the jobs in place, you can kind of create these sort of mini demigods from your characters because the game, once you find those kind of balances or those combinations that are just overpowered, you can pretty much steamroll through the game. But what some people have done is the the job fiesta the I forget what they call it it's the, the the full name of it but the job fiesta kind of um, event that happens each year where people what they do is they they will go to a website that basically tells them when you go to each crystal what which job you can use from it the, and it's the only Fantasy one you can five use for job fiesta yep so basically it's just kind of, it's like a limiter where you it's like a challenge run where you basically a website will just sort of randomly tell you you got to the first crystal you can only use rolls the dice the thief job or whatever and it's really fun because you basically have to force yourself to only use certain jobs and but the thing is the reason why I'm bringing this up at all is that the game has is effectively completable like you can beat the game with any combination of jobs no matter what you get even if they're like really shitty jobs that don't balance each other out well because the game is just so flexible in the things you can do and the different strategies you can have and all the different ways you can beat enemies and bosses and things. So that's kind of one reason why that Fiesta event has kind of taken off um, in sort of the retro gaming uh, sphere because it's just that type of game. But anyways, um, yeah, I really enjoy Final Fantasy V. The Pixel Remaster, it, you know, I know some people are not super on board with the pixel remaster art style but let me tell you uh, i was looking up a rare spawn location of the stingray if you care um and i was looking i found a youtube video that uses the mobile art and god that mobile art oh is the mobile art 
yeah, like Every, everything looks really. Like, yeah, I had to remind myself how bad it looks. Like after playing, you know, I was, you know, after playing the Pixel Remaster for a dozen hours or whatever, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm looking up a rare spawn location because I couldn't find it, and then found a video with the mobile art. And I'm just like, oh god, that is so ugly. Like relative, oh, yeah, to I, I, I what I just been playing. Whoever, like wrote a guide based on the mobile art or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it was a YouTube video, but. Um, so it's got the same pixel remaster art style. Of course, the whole point of the pixel remaster is that like Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and upcoming 6 will kind of effectively all look the same. And they, they kind of, you know, they have a uniform pixel style art style to it, which I think is pretty good. You know, obviously it's different. It's not, it doesn't look quite like the, the SNES stuff or the GBA stuff or the mobile stuff or the uh, PSP stuff or whatever. But I think it looks pretty good. The music is great for the most part. Uh, the, the rearranged soundtracks uh, for Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster and all the Pixel Remasters really uh, obviously with any arrangement of songs inevitably there might be one or two here or there it's like yeah I don't like the new instrumentation here uh, I think in the case of Final Fantasy V for example the the World 3 world map music you know they change the instrumentation up a little bit it's like I don't know if I care for that but for the most part the music is really really good um, getting that kind of full like real instrumentation through to a lot of the soundtrack is of course just it it really brings it to life it's really really cool um final fantasy 5 it sometimes gets some flack for its story but i kind of like that it's sort of sandwiched in between two very serious almost over dramatic or melodramatic stories in final fantasy 4 and final fantasy 6 where final fantasy 5 is a bit sillier it's a bit more lighthearted but it does have heart to it in terms of, of you know, the characters that um, that you play as and the kind of the things that they go through. It just it's just not so darn serious all the time. And there are some moments in the game that are really silly. If you there's there's a pretty significant moment in the game that involves a splinter, like a like a like a wood splinter. And if you play the game, you know what I mean. If you don't, you're probably thinking what? But uh, I'll be honest, I'm in that second camp. I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> first it's, it's more of a plot thing, but it's there's some silly stuff in like the story. And it's not like if you were to grade the plot, like what happens first, what happens second, it probably wouldn't like score very well in a rubric. But there's a lot of heart to it. It's lighthearted. It's silly um, uh, in places. But yeah, it's a, I, really enjoyed, I really enjoyed Final Fantasy V. I really enjoyed going back to it. It's worth noting that the the Pixel Remaster, just like the other ones, like 4 and 6 coming up, it doesn't have the GBA content, which is, for the most part, it's like there were a few extra jobs, uh, and then there was a bunch of super bosses, which, for Final Fantasy V, considering the type of game it is, the super boss content in, in the GBA version is pretty fun, because it's basically like testing you to the extreme in terms of, all right, you have all these jobs, and you can do all these different combinations with them. Can you beat... Neo Shinryu or whatever uh, like can you come up with a team that can do that so it's missing some of that content because they made the decision not to include that which is you know fair I guess and it's fair to be criticized as well but otherwise so I've never played Final Fantasy 5 and I want to uh, I've played you know 2, 3, 4 I don't think I've played 1 5 is basically a big gap in my Final Fantasy uh, history i suppose uh does it have like a lot of post-game challenges by default like still in the base game no no, no. 
Basically, once you beat X Death, who's the final boss, it's over. Trying to think of like how many of the like uh, older Final Fantasies had like post game content, like uh, not really. Uh, I think, well, I guess five. You have a few bosses you can fight before X Death who are arguably more challenging. That's like Omega and Shinryu. They're not necessarily as long, but they're like they're kind of like optional bosses that are tough that might require a certain strategy to beat. But not not really post game content. I'm sort of stretching the definition there. But there's there's in the in the in the SNES and PlayStation era. Well, maybe not PlayStation era, but SNES and earlier era. Sometimes you get those like optional bosses, but that's about as far as it went. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a really it's the type of game where like if you're more inclined to like systems and mechanics it's it's the type of game that might click for you if you're the t- if you're more inclined to like really serious plotting and storylines and serious characters and topics maybe not so much um i know james in his he, he wrote an article about it earlier this year like you said and he his argument was that actually like the story is worthwhile and the characters are worthwhile and i agree with him but it is just like a different sort of tonality Compared to honestly, if you what you think of Final Fantasy, it's not so serious. It's um, I think that's a that's a little so bit of a shame of like how gaming has evolved. Like people like more, it feels like more people just want more mature stories, more like you mm-hmm. know, just like serious in tone. This has to be like it feels like a, a Academy Award movie story or whatever. Or if they go not serious, they it ends up being more almost like slapstick or or like irreverent like self-deprecating i guess i you also see that like i know some people have been talking about that with uh this is kind of a different topic but with the like the netflix adaptations of anime that ends up having like Mm -hmm. some quips in it or with like the marvel movies uh with like Mm -hmm. the new spider-man uh no way home trailer like some of the humor in that and I think that you see some of that in games as well, where it's like they've either got to be serious because we want people to take them seriously and you don't otherwise, or they got to like lean into being silly. Like, Oh, this is a silly game. Gotta be, gotta be wacky. One of those like, yeah, turns of the camera winks, like, you know, catering to that, Mm -hmm. like build up to that moment. It's like, yeah, yeah. I've, I kind of missed that. era, just like, just having uh, a goofy fun goofball time, you know, and that, just, just whimsy for like whimsy's yeah. sake. Just like why not? Exactly. Like I'm imagining like Gao from or that like I was about to replay Legend of Mana like earlier this year. I was like yeah, this is still pretty good. Like it, it does have like it's goofy like whimsical like story arcs and whatnot. So between yeah, Final it, Fantasies four and five, which one have you enjoyed more, Adam? I like five more. I've never been a huge fan of four. Four, I think, was a good like. You know, early RPG. When did that come out? Like 1992? Uh, in terms of what stories can be like in video games, like in that early era. But I actually don't think it's that great overall. Like, it's pretty simple. It's it's very melodramatic. It has like five fake out deaths. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's also the game itself is honestly it's like the easiest Final Fantasy game. You can pretty much get through it, mashing attack and healing sometimes. Um, which is true for other games as well, but especially that one. Um, so, just from a game standpoint, I definitely like five more, and I like I kind of like the the not so darn serious all the time tone as well. Uh, I'm really interested actually to to experience Final Fantasy VI again when it comes out for the Pixel Remaster, which I assume is like 
early next year at the, you know, probably not much later than that. Because I think Final Fantasy VI, like, I, I also played that when that came out on GBA, because I never had a Super Nintendo, right? Um, so I was late to the party there. But I haven't, like, replayed it since. So that was mid-2000. So it's been, you know, 15 years since I played Final Fantasy VI. I remember liking it a lot, of course. And it's, of course, a very well-loved game. But it's it's like the one Final Fantasy game that is sort of, like, the furthest back in my, like, like this, it's the longest since that I played it compared to any other Final Fantasy. So I'm really interested to like revisit it finally. Um, so, yeah, it's also during a time like the SNES era that like, it was really doing advanced stuff graphically. Oh yeah, I wonder how that will translate into like this whole like uniform art style that they're doing with the pixel remasters. Hmm. Well, I also feel like Final Fantasy VI has the most nostalgia to overcome because people like yeah, any any change any slight tweak or change to it whether it's visuals or sound or or whatever people are going to complain about like inevitably i'm not saying they're that's bad or you know valid or not it's just like it's going to happen and if you tweak anything even in the slightest way even for a good reason the specific to, to make it uniform this- or to change the sound arrangement or whatever i would say the specific shade of Tara's hair or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> People still argue like, is it too green or not blonde enough yeah. or whatever, you know. For the most part though, like the all these pixel remasters so far have like found an in like a, a somewhat decent balance uh, compared to like all the other re-releases in the past. Um like on in terms of like updating and both like visuals and sound, like they've they've done a decent job. I'll I'll give them that. Like it's been pretty good. Like I thought because they've suffered so many hits and misses over the past, more misses than yeah. hits. And I was just like, I've, I've, I'm genuinely impressed that they came out pretty, pretty good. Yeah, even with these remasters, there's the whole like they don't learn. Are they comprehensive if they don't have the GBA stuff or uh, the font things? But the, it kind of feels like for whatever reason, those didn't have a lot of staying power. People just kind of like they weren't that important. At least that's been my impression from the outside is that I guess like no one cares about or talks about the font anymore. Maybe that's just because it's so easy to mod out. Did you did yeah. you tweak it out? I, I don't mod in my own font. I just switch it to like the, the English font that's included in the Japanese like font file because it's just it's just that's good enough for me. It's, just, it's a little bit thicker. It's still a, like a sans serif font, which I know some people might prefer a more pixely font like the GBA font or whatever. But I just kind of swap it out so it's not so darn thin. It'll be because it hasn't been officially announced yet, but I think it's inevitable that these remasters will end up on consoles eventually. I think that's pretty safe assumption. Yeah, but it'll we be don't know anything. interesting it to just see. Seems like safe to guess that. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see. Like, is it are they gonna, are people going to be stuck with that really thin font that's the standard for the for the PC release? And I wonder, honestly, like I sort of wonder also if we're just in like a bubble and we're the only ones that care. But it seems like based on, you know, like search traffic and whatnot, that people do care about that font. We'll see, though. It'll be interesting. I do have uh, one other thing to say. Uh, Final Fantasy V, I had forgotten how like colorful some of the dialogue is. And it's, you know, I'm talking about like the localization here and it's definitely embellished in places. And it it was just sort of that era, but it kind of fits the tone of the game anyway. So just a few examples. There's one part where you're like entering a dungeon or a desert, 
And one of the characters, Mid, who is Sid's grandson, Sid and Mid, uh, like he's telling you to never give up. And he, he, what he says is, quote, it ain't over till the fat lady sings and the orchestra hasn't even started tuning up yet. That's like, a little I, 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 Yeah, that's like, I doubt that's, I doubt, I doubt that's a, faithful to the japanese but there's a, there's a couple of different quips like that throughout the game uh that there's does, another that character feel like very 90s or something yeah. yeah uh i know the gba localization was updated from the uh playstation one um and this that's what the remaster uses there's also a character named Guido who is a uh he's a turtle but he's kind of sarcastic and quippy and there's a line from him where like he he kind of pokes fun at Bart's Bart's being the main character for being a little bit slow on the uptake. And one of his lines is quote, Yes, the twelve legendary weapons. They are weapons. They are legendary. There are even twelve of them. And just stuff like that, where he's just like kind of dry humor, um, a little bit sarcastic in places. So there's uh I kind of I'm there are points where I think it's maybe a little bit much, but that's it kind of fits the tonality of the game where it's kind of just silly. There's another line where um let me did look you make here. note of these or are you just uh like no i looked at, no i made note of these there's another line <laughs> where like guido guido is a turtle so he's really old and he's like what you think i sat around seven centuries munching on pizza hmm i wonder if he said that in japanese but maybe it wasn't pizza but it was some other <laughs> dish i don't know it was a, it was um, a donut. maybe he did say maybe he did say pizza in japanese i don't know but there's stuff like that and it's like it's part of the charm in a way like is it a good localization like by today's standards? I don't know. I don't really even care to get into that, but that's just sort of the style that it has. And I just kind of found that interesting kind of going through it. Uh, it does feel like you, you, like you said, it does feel kind of nineties, even though this localization was done in the mid two thousands, but it's just, it is what it is. But like, yeah, it's part of me. Whenever you say like, it fits the tone of the game, you're like, but is that only true? Because that's the game you've experienced. Like if it's a tone well, of the game because the tone of the game is established, by the, but then you also mention there's a plot point that result revolves around a splinter. So it's like, ah, okay. Nope. So there's also like, there's also like other stuff, like for example, like in the animations of the game, like there's a, there's a, there's a part when like Bart's and Kryle or Krill or however you pronounce her name, get into like a very kind of slight spat. It's not like a serious spat, but they're just kind of like, kind of like shoulder rubbing each other in a sense. Where like they'll kind of like shove each other, and then their their uh, their sprite animation will like they'll get like these big eyes and like um, kind of fly off the screen for a bit, and then like you'll push Bart will push Kryle, and she'll do the same thing. So there's like a lot of silly stuff in the animations too. So it it kind of and obviously that wouldn't be like localized like the animations themselves. So it kind of there are points where the silliness is not just in the text, but it's also kind of in like these silly animations with the sprites that happen here or there. So I don't know if I came across well in me describing it. No, but, no, that, that kind of yeah. substantiates when you say like the dialogue fits the tone of the game. Cause you know, there's these non-dialogue animations or story beats that fit that mm -hmm. dialogue. You know, you could look at it the other direction. Do you think uh, any of these pixel remasters have a chance for being like best remake or re-release for the year? Well, there have been a lot of re-releases. Yeah, this that's year. that's the problem. Like, is that the, it's the, the, one of those things that, like, I think you'd have to bundle them at some point. That if you're going to do that, it's like just a pixel remaster collection. Then because, like, like none of them, like in my eyes, none of them like particularly stand out except like Final Fantasy III getting, getting an yeah. official release. 
like the the novelty I, of that. But like in terms I, of, like, I was gonna all, say, I'm sorry to interrupt, right. but yeah. would you think this is better than the Sega Frontier remaster ports? You would well, say? they're like first of all, two things. One, the font issue might just disqualify <laughs> it immediately. Yeah. Um. Two, the fact that it doesn't have the GBA content, like. I know it's in most of the games like that advanced content isn't necessary, but it's like if you're going to remove it, it's, it makes it sort of hard to vote for you as like the best remaster of the year. But yeah, there's been a lot. The two, the other thing I was going to say was, let's see, we have Nier, we have Saga Frontier, we have Legend of Mana, we have Shimigami Tensei Nocturne, we have Mass Effect, and I'm sure there's others I'm missing in terms of remasters that came out this year. So there's been a lot of, of, of remasters. Um, if we're calling, I'm just just like a prelude to the to our deliberations we're going to have in a few weeks. Off the off the cuff here, I think Near has to be like really in high consideration because it's like a lot of stuff. It is a remaster, but a lot of like the models and everything have been almost like remade within that game. It's um, kind of a I think of it almost so, in the same space as the uh, Xenoblade uh, definitive yeah. edition sort of thing. But yeah, we'll talk about that more when we get to our game of the year stuff because we will have a category for best re-release. We we added that last year, I think, because re-releases and remasters have become you know more and more common in recent years. So we kind of wanted to kind of create a a separate category for those. Um, we didn't want to crowd out the space. For yeah, it, like I, I would feel weird like if we were considering what's the best game of the year and like to to consider near in that category just because like. The game itself did come out ten years ago, and yes, I know the remaster is, for the most for the most part, a better version of it. But like, I, I think it's just best to compare like remasters to remasters, and like which ones kind of bring new life to the game. No, nope, old games are know. always better than new games. Fuck new games. <laughs> <laughs> Nocturne. Is yeah, Final Fantasy V Pixel oh. Remaster. Nocturne is better in some ways, um, but it is definitely like. It does de- definitely has like a bit of an acquired or aged old person taste. So me, <laughs> me, yeah. I was going to say like an Adam taste or something. Yeah. But yeah, Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster. It's really good. I know it came out in like, like two days before Shin Megami Tensei five. Um, so like maybe people just missed it and it's just a kind of a relatively busy month in general. Um, but Hey, I, I just think it's great. Finally, that Square Enix is putting these classic games like on PC and hopefully on other consoles. Cause for the longest time, there was like no good way to play like Final Fantasy one or two. And then like five, the only way to vert- play it on a modern system was like with that mobile art. So it's yeah, nice. I, I think it's good. It's not just, perfect, uh, but it's good. In terms of just like catalog accessibility, it's just really nice to have and just say like you can play. Well, the big caveat, though, there is the console thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, so. hopefully soon. I'm sort of assuming that it'll come yeah. to console, hopefully. So, If they come to console, then I'll say, like, this is just really handy to have, just to have, you know, Final Fantasies 1 through 6, kind of like this catalog of very iconic games, and, you know, each with their strengths and weaknesses, and some, obviously, more well-regarded than others, but accessible for anyone to play and uh, make their own opinion on it, so... But until then, uh, we'll we, you know get a PC or a mobile device or enjoy touch controls. I suppose I don't know. So some of the other games that we could talk about this week, I feel like we've already kind of been uh, well worn through the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've talked about Shin Megami Tensei with a few different perspectives. Uh, I talked about Ruin King. Uh, uh, 
both of the last two weeks. I will say that I did write up my formal thoughts on Ruined King in a review up on the site. Uh, I won't go back into it again because a lot of my thoughts were elucidated on last week on the podcast and I just kind of put them in written form, but did just want to call out that that is up on the site as a formal review now. Uh, Josh, I do know that you've been dipping your toes into a few things, maybe not like fully diving into a new RPG, but maybe just some other games, just trying things out. Uh, do you have anything that you kind of like had a highlight of the last week that you were wanting to share? Yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, I tried out a little bit of Death Store. I've still didn't go through it. Uh, that, that's an interesting game, like a, like an action isometric action RPG that uh, James really, really liked earlier this year when that came out. And it had, like, uh, I think it's really like there's a certain thing about the art style that like kind of reminds you of Fantasia a little. It's not really the, quite dioramas, but it gives that feeling sometimes going through it so i've been playing a little bit of that i'm still making my way through it i I just i just don't know what i'm in the mood for right now so like sometimes like i don't know if i really want to play this kind of game right now or maybe not so uh, because there's been a lot you know going on on my end a long you know game of the year coming up so uh i tried a little bit of that i tried out a little bit of project wingman uh that was gifted from a friend that like invested in like its crowdfunding i think it was kickstarter i guess and it came out of like fully came out i think earlier this year um, because I already got, went through Ace Combat, Ace Combat Set, and I was like, you know what, I want to try this out. I kind of in the mood for a, a jet game, and it does really feel like an Ace Combat game. Um, that, that, that's been really cool. Like uh, you're gaining new planes uh, and new jets as you uh, complete levels, and it's like different objectives. Whether you're like, bo- like uh, bombing certain like locations or like, uh, dogfighting against other squadrons, I'm just doing the main campaign right now and touch the. Con- Conquest mode, but that's that's been feeling really good, and it looks quite nice. I think it's only on PC right now. But like, is the, it more um, is it more simmy or is it more like uh, arcadey? Like, it, it it is more arcadey. It does have that Ace Combat thing where you can have like simplified controls if you don't want to go the whole uh, deal with like roll and yaw and hold that stuff. Uh, so you can have simplified controls like Ace Combat in it, but I do like those standard controls. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 if you're familiar with Ace Combat, I expect Ace Combat. It's not, it's not super sibby. Like, just like Ace Combat games are, they're more arcadey. Um, right. yeah, so that's been pretty cool. And then I've also been, uh, I started Omori. Uh, Omori is one of those Kickstarter, uh, games that has been like, it came out in Christmas last year. So it was not eligible for last year's game of the year stuff, but People really, really, really loved it. Like I, I've had multiple friends that like have gone to our RPG site game of the year polls, and they said like, "Yeah, when I go through it, like I just Amori is an easy pick. It's a, uh, it's uh, built I think on the RPG Maker engine. Definitely has has the that kind of visuals, but it, there's a certain charm to it that's like it's you'll you'll start it and you'll have no idea what the heck's going on. It's, uh, like I started like I don't know what's going on. You start like this white space, like black and white." monochromatic room and you play this character named Amori. Um and there's just a lot of, a lot of vague stuff going on. Um you're you're you look at the journal and then the only journal is like, yeah, I stayed at this like blank white space room. It was a good day. Or I went out and hung out with friends day and it was a good day and that's all his journals like filled up with. And then you go you go out, you meet his friends, they try to join your party. It's like a turn based RPG. And but it's very eerie. So, like when you get out, like like the, the like the, the surface, like the open world, um, like you go like in any direction. It's like, oh, you can't go through here because you're afraid of spiders. Oh, you can't go up this ladder because you're afraid of heights. Oh, you can't like you know you, you go up this uh, pier or like this body of water, and like you see like this little eerie 
thing, but you're not. But it, it kind of like exits before you get a good look at it. It's like a black and white sort of like um, Nikki style of like horror. Uh, it's like I was actually gonna I, say sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I like I, yeah. I, I I was holding off on the comparison because in case it was really off. But I'm like it kind of reminds me of Yuminiki. Uh-huh, yeah. So yeah. the way you're describing it, and I've had the Steam page pulled up, just kind of getting an, an idea for the visuals. Yeah. So and then so, but you're not sure what the what, what that is yet. And then I, I go to the edge of here, and it's like, oh, you're afraid of drowning. So it, it's like uh, right away, you're just like, okay, you're you're filled in with like there are, there are things you're afraid of, and you can't proceed the to, towards these yet because you're afraid of this. And then so you go like to the bottom, and you go to this playground, and you're just like kind of meeting like the. Like a community of characters, and I don't know how significant they'll be, but then you're just uh, you're just like hanging out and having a picnic with your friends, going through photos of like the time they shared together, and then you play hide and seek with the rest of the then uh, the the inhabitants in the playground, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of been that that so far. Uh, in terms of battle system, it's pretty interesting in the in the way that it's presented because it's when you go into battles like your life bars, you have four people in your party. Uh, Omori and three other of his friends, and they take up each corner of the screen. It's all, there's all four by three uh, aspect ratio as well, and the enemy is at the center of the screen. And uh, the battle system has your standard like uh, attack. They did like you know uh, uh, characters will attack. So like Omori has like a knife that he a shiny knife that he picked up in his room. The others have like say I, I, like a ball or like a, a pan, and um. There's this whole like mood system where you can you have like these spells or like skills where you can make an enemy or ally like sad, happy, or angry, and uh, being put into a certain mood will have different affinities toward other like status effects. So let's say that this this whole like triangle system of like uh, sad beats angry and angry beats happy, but happy beats sad. So. Uh, I, I assume, like you know, for certain points of the game, that like you really, you'll really want to like manipulate allies and enemies to have certain moods, so you have like an advantage over them, and you're dealing more damage, and they're dealing less damage to you. But also, have, being in a certain mood will um, will uh, like alter your stats a little. So, like, say if you're like if you're uh, if you're uh, happy, you know, you'll you may uh, hit more or not hit more. Uh, have a better accuracy and a better like uh, crit chance uh, and so forth. So that, it almost reminds then, like, me of like a long term status effect, almost or about yeah. or buff. And then the I think sad is like you have a better defense. Uh, and I think I uh, put up a, a picture of this real fast. So let me get, okay, there it is. Yeah, happy beats angry beats sad. When you're sad, your defense is up, but your speed is down. But when you're happy, it replaces your luck and speed, but it decreases your hit rate. And then angry, uh, your attack is up, but your defense is down. So it, uh, you're drunk. those are the mechanics that I've been introduced to so far. So I've only uh, dabbled just a little bit, but it's, it seems really interesting. I really wonder uh, why people love it so much. So that's uh, it's also for educational purposes. And um, you know, people are saying, like, as long the less you know, the better. Like, do not search up anything Omar because it's very easily spoiled. I'm like, okay, all right. So I actually have been spoiled. I won't say anything, but like, but I, yes, I won't say I anything. Agree. I would agree with that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, was like, I won't no, say I anything. Just, but... I'm just agreeing with the. I'm I'm just agreeing with the uh, the, st- the sentiment that like 
Now, obviously, I don't have the context. Maybe the context is very important, but there are like, you know, there's a hook to the game or a twist to the game that's like, you can, it's very easily, like, it's not complex to say. Okay, okay, so maybe maybe not say anymore, but yes. Okay, I won't. So lo, lo, no less going in than no as little as possible. And then obviously, whenever it's sort of you like, have these... It's, so, it's sort of like the, the, the twist to Knights of the Republic. It's sort of an easy thing to spoil if you aren't familiar with it. Like, yeah. you are Revan. No, I just spoiled it, you know. I just spoiled Knights of the Republic. <laughs> There's a remake but, coming out. You know, that's, that's what I mean. It's just like that easy to spoil. All right. Well, hopefully, we don't have people looking forward to the remake. <laughs> uh, get mad at Adam if you're going to be mad at anyone. But yeah, uh, the, those are just been the the things that I've been working on uh, here and there. There's not like any big, big uh, December releases that like I'm probably going to like jump into right away. I, I I know there's still the second DLC pack for Super Robot Wars that uh, I'm kind of looking forward to because it adds a. a a higher difficulty mode because I'm a masochist for that game sometimes. And yeah. Well, I think that kind of covers us for games we've been playing uh, because we don't, because uh, I talked about Shin Megami Tensei, Andrew and King last week, and uh, we're going to leave some breathing room for uh, the Final Fantasy expansion. And obviously we'll, we'll probably want James on the cast as well when we get to talk about that early next year. We did have one more feature up on the site that I wanted to call out. We did talk last week about the not really a formal announcement, but this 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 sort of the detailing of Amazon's upcoming Mass Effect TV show. Who's it going to star? Is it going to have Shepard? Uh, and Andrea Sharon Sharon is a huge Mass Effect fan and wrote up basically a feature of what she wants to see in this TV show. Basically, if it's not going to retell the, the trilogy or be a prequel or whatever, it's a you know what basically her ideas for what she is interested in as a big fan of that of that IP and of that series. So that is also up on the site as well. I'm also just going to mention that I wrote up a walkthrough for Final Fantasy V. That is, so when I whenever when I use a walkthrough, the main main thing I'm personally interested in is just like what can I miss? Like what's a missable? Like because I didn't talk to some person in some narrow window of time and final fantasy 5 actually does have quite a few like missable things because of the way the game is structured so i I put together sort of a minimalist walkthrough i don't necessarily like i don't give strategies on how to beat bosses because the game is so flexible enough anyway but i kind of just wrote up a walkthrough about like here's how you can step through the game and make sure you get everything along the way um so i just kind of point those out while you sort of just come up with the strategies and build your team yourself so yeah, it's like a like a, like a like a fishbone walkthrough. I don't know if that's the right word, but basically a skeleton walkthrough that hits all the high points without going into like the... Like if you follow it, you shouldn't miss anything, but it's up to right. you to actually figure out like how to beat a boss or how to get through a dungeon. So mm-hmm. No, thank you for that. So Ruined King review, Final Fantasy V walkthrough, Mass Effect TV show uh, opinion feature all up on the site right now alongside all the news that we're about to talk into. Uh, we did have a semi-major announcement this week uh, from Spike Chunsoft, and this is basically from the creative minds behind the Danganron Plus series. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, and that is Enigma Archives Rain Code. So we got a introductory teaser trailer for this project. Basically, sh- uh, it highlights the fact that it is from the creators of Danganronpa. It does have the very similar art style because it has the same scenario writer, composer, and character illustrator, Kazutaka Kodaka, Masafumi Takada, and Rui Komatsuzaki. So 
Uh, I am not familiar with the Danganronpa series, but I do know that a lot of people have very, very high opinions of it. We actually do have two kind of legacy reviews up on the site back when we kind of stretched the definition of what our site covered for our, uh, for reviews uh, back in the day, back in the before times, uh, both with perfect scores on the series. So I do know that a lot of people have been kind of wondering what's next. And this is not obviously in the same series, but kind of like a successor with a lot of this, at least a lot of the same sort of theming based on the trailer that we saw. Um, I don't know if anyone has a history with the series that saw this trailer can like kind of dive into it more deeply in terms of what they're able to kind of peel out of it. I mean, it two kill games have has done more than this. Like ever since they the, the Danganronpa team has split off and uh, made their own studio, they did Death Come True, which was like an FMB mystery game which was actually pretty neat i i, I like i don't hate that game it, it's pretty short but i uh it was, it, its presentation was actually pretty cool so death come true was a was a neat thing world zen club was a miss i don't like death and all oh, right world zen club. club yeah uh, that was uh previously like the first part was like an apple arcade exclusive that it fully came out and unlocked the rest of it and like it just i didn't like it um they also uh, delve into anime series like with akudama drive and Akadama Drive is it has some cool ideas, but it's uh, it's still kind of like uh, not a death game, but it's like a death pack sort of like un like unwilling allies kind of bound, bound together uh, because of a of a like they're basically forced into the state. They're kind of like mercenaries, prisoner mercenaries, uh, and they have like these death callers uh, on them uh, and say if you don't follow what I w- want to do, then like I'm gonna blow you up. And it goes from Are you talking about nine 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 here for a second? Exactly that. Exactly like uh, that, that. That they kind of have like a, a a sort of style and like to them. And I I hope you know this Enigma Archives game kind of tries to do something different because uh, they're they're kind of they kind of almost do the same thing. Like World's End Club was started off very similarly to that. It does flip the idea on its head a little. But it's still they still rely on that to kind of lure people in, which I was well, I don't know. So you know, there's the, the, there's not much to go out in the trailer. It's like kind of like a, a like a CG trailer with some snippets of ga- gameplay. Who knows what the gameplay really yeah, is? Yeah, they call it a teaser trailer, so it's more just setting yeah. the stage. Yeah, so it, it, might, it might be cool, but uh, and you, you know, when I, when I think like, oh, the developers of Danganronpa are doing something, I'm like, I hope they do something new and like something they're not really comfortable with. That's why I like Death Come True because it's like something kind of new for them. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to see more of this, see where it goes. Um, uh, I don't think they were really worked on this directly, but I, I hear that uh, Switch release of Danganronpa that came out recently and not 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 great. Not great. That was based on the mobile version, I think. So there's a lot of like, it's not that's not even that graphically um, significant because the mobile. Yeah, I, I had heard that the Switch version. I don't know this for certain because I haven't played, but I heard that the Switch version of Danganronpa was based off the mobile version, which is just a little bit stripped down, I guess, in terms of its like visual effects and whatnot. Yeah. So and, and then that's a little I, bit disappointing, I, if true. I hear people also don't like the new content, like that new board game thing, summer board game thing. Yeah, but they, I don't think they were involved in that. I'd have to imagine not, but who knows? And there, there are no details on release. 
Uh, so we don't know if this is a next year plan or further out than that. Uh, there is a Japanese teaser website that alongside the trailer. And uh, obviously the trailer is uploaded on Spike Chunsoft's YouTube channel that basically just says, you know, more details incoming. So basically all we've got right now is the teaser trailer to go on. But I know a lot of people have been looking forward to this as soon as we shared it uh, on our social media channels, as well as under the official trailer. So we'll keep an eye on it and see if it shows up next year. We do have a couple more details about games that we do know are already coming next year or already know that are coming next year. Uh, one of them is Atelier Sophie 2. We've kind of talked about this. They're in the uh, the phase of their marketing where they're going into like really the minutia of detailing character bios and gameplay systems that are usually reminiscent of systems that have already appeared in other games. So we do have that up on the site. Uh, they do they do detail do detail new characters uh, Perika and Kati as well as Gnome. Uh, so it's up on the site if you really want to dive into the minutiae of that game. Again, Atelier Sophie 2 is releasing in February next year. I don't know when in uh, relation to Elden Ring, but close enough to it. Uh, on a on a similar vein, but with a little bit more meat on the bone, I do know that Adam and Kite Steinbuck have been working really hard in a similar sort of news dump for the upcoming Triangle strategy. So Adam, I might just hand it off to you here because I know a lot of this detail had to be kind of like collated and composited from several sources and you put together basically a really long detailed article going through all the character art all their names all their bios uh so just kind of what was the detail here did this all come from a trailer or from a website just go ahead and kind of talk about uh, what you put together okay so to back up a step admittedly these sort of square enix developed square enix published in japan but nintendo published in the west games sometimes like the marketing or the information dole out on those is a little bit like off step because of that sort of publishing setup. And so like, for example, like Nintendo released a trailer that sort of introduced like a handful of sub characters just very, very briefly in English, but it's just like a very quick trailer and that's it. While like Japan released, you know, uh, Square Enix in Japan released a press release with like a, a full fledged character bio and whatnot. And like, so they're not necessarily like aligned in how they, in when these came out or what they're showing. And so they recently revealed like more of the characters and described them. And we just sort of decided, let's just kind of take what's been put out so far, either from Nintendo in the West or Square Enix in Japan, and just kind of put them all together. And what that, what that left to right led to here is that we have bios for 19 of the characters. So basically the main cast, most of the immediately interesting sub-characters and then a, few, a bit of the extended cast as well. Um, we have character arts for all of them. A lot of people, we posted it on Twitter, really like the character art. It's got that, you know, sort of watercolor-ish style. I actually don't know who the artist is, but it's it's reminiscent of Tactics Ogre or Final Fantasy Tactics. It's not like Akihiko Yoshida um, art, but it's, you know, it's got that somewhat similar sort of uh, coloring and style to it. Um, is clearly reminiscent of that uh, era of Square Enix games. What, what was that but game we, that got remastered go that had the uh, hexagon tiles uh, strategy game? Unsung Story? No, no, no I know you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. I know what you're talking about. I'm blanking on it. Uh, Chow, I, I know. know. Chow's, Unsung Story got rid of it. No, it's, uh, based on an old PlayStation 1 game that you summon monsters. Oh, Brigadine? Brigadine. Yeah. Who who is the artist on the Brigadine remaster? 
That was uh, Raita Kazuma. Kazuma Raita. It's the Xenoblade yeah. It's guy. not quite the same, but th- that the art style in that remaster looks similar-ish to this. So, I I, I do agree uh, though that I like that it's it's kind of like a grounded style. It doesn't have like the distinctive like facial shapes and lack of facial features that the uh, Yoshida has, but it is, but it's kind of softened by the fact that it is kind of like that watercolor aesthetic. So it's kind of like a really detailed grounded style, but painted in a way that gives it a little bit more character and color. So I, I agree that it, I do think it looks nice. And I know some people were, were like basically replying to our social media post on your and kites kind of synthesized character list basically pointing like oh like oh she's cool or he's interesting or like already my favorites from the demo obviously which released uh, a few several months back so uh, i do know that you know people have really been kind of taken to that by the way the artist i was thinking of was Raita kazama all right but i but actually not- don't think he did xenoblade character art but he did some xenoblade like other like art i believe emotional art of some sort so yeah he's listed as character design on xenoblade chronicles cross but I don't think he did everyone. Um, I think he did some. Oh, on, on Xenoblade Chronicles, he's cited as doing 2D art design. But I don't think it was necessarily most of the characters, like the main characters anyway. But anyways, mm-hmm. the triangle strategy piece that we put up, it also goes into, like, if you played the demo that released way earlier this year, you kind of got, like, a glimpse of a lot of these characters and sort of the uh, the uh, initial conflict Premise. of the game, which has to do with... Uh, yeah, it has to do with the country of... There's three countries. It's like Afrost, um, Glenbrook, and Hyzant. And they're they sort of like triangle. this trio... Yeah, triangle, of course. <laughs> they're sort of arranged in a way where they're sort of conflicting... Like they're competing for resources. Uh, there was a war in the past. Salt iron and war. Yeah, and now they are... They're sort of in an unsteady truce. But at this, at the, presumably at the start of the game, Afrost seems to invade and, you know like become antagonistic for some reason. And that kind of leads off to, you know, the flames of war once again. Uh, and it, the, the post we put together sort of highlights the premise a little bit. And like, there's like a, a tournament at the start of the game, you know, if you really want to get into it, you can get into it. Um, but yeah, we just kind of put it all together. Um, I know a lot of people just really like the character art and kind of just seeing like an overview of the characters. There are 19 of them, like I said, and there are clearly other characters that haven't been introduced yet. So like any good tactical RPG or tactics over like should have, there's going to be, seems like quite a few characters, you know, in at play in this storyline. So I hope it ends up being a pretty good, like politically charged RPG. Um, Cause it's been a while since, you know, any tactics ogre or final fantasy tactics like that. Right. So we oh, put up a you... poll for a, uh, for a uh, most anticipated game next year. And I've seen a lot of people like mentioning they're very, very interested in triangle strategy. So poll results on, will come soon. Based on the demo, and I, I wrote a feature of this back like in March or something. The the demo, if you haven't played it, it does you know, it's only two chapters, I believe six and seven. And based on your choice made between the two, like the seventh chapter is a completely different location with a completely different like antagonist target if i remember right i'm reaching back if you if you want to protect the prince you end up fighting one of the ace frost like generals but if you give up the prince you end up having to fight one of the hazanti like houses i might be getting some of that mixed up but basically the the location the the enemy the goal all changes so if that like filters throughout the game you know in the way that they're trying to 
market that it does. I'm expecting some of all these characters be like mutually exclusive. I expect basically if we're playing through it, like, oh, I was able to get so-and-so on my team. Oh, what? I had to fight and kill them <laughs> or whatever. And I actually hope it does do that because that would be very like Tactics Ogre uh, in, in its, in its um, if it ends up carrying out that way, I do think it'd be really impressive and kind of meaningful rather than being like Fire Emblem Three Houses where you just kind of play nice with whoever you want to get on your team and you get them on your team because, you know, that's more convenient. But yep, the the the, tri- the title of the article on our site is Triangle Strategy T- Triangle Strategy Details Story Cast of Characters Gameplay Systems and More. It's basically a big info dump, which I think is preferable than kind of having this little dole out sort of piecemeal thing that uh, Atelier Sophie Two and so many other games kind of do. So kind of cool that you and Kite were able to put it all in one place. Uh, we do have a couple of uh, announcements. Both of these are for Switch. And this one, we kind of, I think we have to give props to Josh for calling it. Uh, we talked about how between last podcast and this podcast, it was going to be the second anniversary announcement stream, or it's not, not an announcement stream, celebration stream for 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Uh, and we talked about how it was likely going to go into, you know, merch, go into maybe some collaborations. Wasn't expecting too much of an announcement. I chickly suggested maybe a PC port. And Josh was like, like, if anything, a Switch port. Uh, well, that's what we ended up getting. 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim will be releasing uh, for Switch in April of next year, April 12th. So I guess yeah. you called it? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's one Josh, of the craziest ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Thomas. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, this is a, a really cool announcement because, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't pick up 13 Sentinels because it was a very, it was a PS4 exclusive and that and the kind of game it is, it, it is more, people would be more likely to be comfortable playing it on the on the go or on handheld or like, you know, on their bed and whatnot. So it's uh, it's really exciting to see. It's almost like a worldwide simultaneous release for, between the West and, and Japan. It's like maybe a, a day or two before or after here and there. Um, um sorry to cut you off josh but was yeah. it is it not december for the u.s release i keep thinking that they got like those two numbers swapped around and i got confused with seeing the release it's, but they're just two days apart is it it's april for like every everything like it's oh. either like like between april 12th to 14th like you know okay no problem because i've seen like one ad it says 12 then four for the for the u.s oh so european oh, dates <laughs> european dates okay. they they do date month so yeah, must... you might be yeah, you might be confused with the European uh, date standard because because the, like April twelfth would be like twelve four. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God <laughs> it would take that. I mean, long. It'd be it'd be it'd be out today then. No, because it, oh, no, so just... tw- it would still say it would still say twenty twenty two, so it'd be December. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's... Yeah, 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 it seems to be uh yeah. So that's that's pretty pretty cool to see. Uh, I'm I, I'm really interested to see how. Some of the battle sequences will run on Switch, um, especially like the, some of the later ones when you're there's a lot going on on screen and like you're like firing off like uh, say a missile rain, and it's like oh, all right, and, and that would like kind of freeze up like the PS4 for a sec, like to like two to three FPS. It's like okay, well, and then and then it'll be uh, okay again. So, uh, Godspeed to the Switch on uh, running that. Um, we need we need a switch pro to to run the the rts like sequences of 13 sentinels fire uh (laughs) i know a lot a lot of people have been pondering like oh there there is new content for the switch it's not it's not major it's it's pretty minor it's not story related but they added uh two types of additional battle outfits uh in the destruction mode per protagonist 
So there's like 26 new outfits basically uh, for it. And like the only time you really see these outfits, like when they activate their um, super attack, uh, like when the when you see like the their full body portrait uh, in uh, destruction mode. So it's like it's not not crazy, you know, but uh, it is there. I kind of I, I do want to see what the new outfits are for a character. The thing that uh, makes me wonder is if they're gonna have uh, additional content in the West, in the sense that in the Nintendo Switch release for Thirteen Sentinels in Japan, they'll have the Digital Secret Files DLC, which was a PS4 limited edition item, and they'll also have the Digital Artworks DLC, which was an early purchase bonus. I don't think I have, we got any of those. Uh, in the West, as far as I remember, I can't remember, but I don't think we got the 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 those digital artwork DLCs, um, and also the digital artworks DLC for the Switch version will have uh, nine additional illustrations that were made after the PS4 version released because they're like celebrations and whatnot. So that's really cool. I'm always up for more 13 Sentinels. Maybe I'll get um, the Switch release just to satisfy my curiosity on its performance. Maybe we'll but, get Colin to review it. Maybe, yeah, maybe, and then may, uh, um, maybe see the switch catch fire. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's I'm really happy to see that you know more more people will uh, give this game a shot. See if they like it. It's a definitely a different kind of game, way way more different than you know what a lot of people are expecting. Uh, it's a really cool tale. We can't give it enough praise. And it's one um, of those games that it's hard to like. It's it's you have to say less like. Just go in. Yeah. <laughs> Just go in. Yeah. There, there was some cool merch that they showed at the 13 Sentinels uh, stream. Like they have like this whole like shirt that just says Yakisoba pan or a jacket that says Yakisoba pan on it like three times over a picture of a Yakisoba pan. Um, I like, they like that. Cool, they have like a if you've cool played it, you know. Okina. Yep. They have a cool mug of Okina on it that has different images that'll display if it's uh, whether hot or cold. Um, and yeah, it was just a really fun. The the really th- the the thing that really caught me off guard about the second anniversary stream for Thirteen Sentinels was it actually has full English subtitles on it, like captions on YouTube. And I was like, whoa, that they went through the effort of doing that. That's really cool. So, uh, really shows that they're they're not marketing this game like to a global audience. Now, hopefully, that means that we get the DLC that never made it to the West, but. Yeah, you know, you're there for the game primarily, and people should play it. We'll wait for the fourth anniversary celebration to get a PC port. And I hope they hope it's third, <laughs> but you know, I I I really hope more vanillaware titles in general hope uh, end up on PC and other platforms. But yeah, and uh, I get they also uh, mentioned uh, on the stream. Um, the the com the vanillaware and um, Atlas I think announced that the total shipments and digital sales for the PlayStation Four version have surpassed have surpassed five hundred thousand units. Um, yeah, that's a update. Which is you know for a lot of people it's like oh it's less than a million so it didn't sell out. But I mean for this kind of like very niche game, like that's a pretty damn good number. You know because this is a type of game that like it's hard to market it to a mass audience. I don't even uh, yeah. expect it to reach that high, to be honest with you. What? I, I don't even expect it to hit that high, like five hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah, that's it's a, that's a lot. So especially high. since it has such high word of mouth, but it's just kind of hard to sell uh, yeah. because of the way the story is. So mm-hmm. 
the fact yeah. that it's done so well is pretty remarkable. We have another kind of semi-surprise port uh, coming to Switch next year, and that is dot hack last recode so this got this was a uh this originally released back in 2017 and i do know that josh covered it back then when it released on playstation 4 and it is also getting a switch version so this is basically a compilation of the dot hack games uh gu what does that stand for josh uh it can stand for a lot of uh things like they, they <laughs> give you a lot of um uh, potential things it could stand for i like the one that sticks out to me is like genesis union or some shit oh uh, like, but they uh, they uh, released on the PlayStation Two uh, in the mid two thousands, uh, kind of got compiled and released re released on PlayStation Four in twenty seventeen, and it's coming to Switch next year on March eleventh. Yeah, this is the this compiles the the original three games that were like on the PS two, uh, along with the the new the new content that they made for this re release back then the Dot Hack Volume Four Reconnection. Just of a three volume series, and that it serves as like an extended epilogue uh, for it, which is nice. Um, I think this is this is going to be really tricky and interesting because I think in the West is going to be a digital only release, and the game, if you try to install it on PC, is like forty gigs. So I wonder how, how big it's going to be on the Switch, uh, because I know size limitations are an issue there, uh, depending on you know what. I don't even know if it'll, if it'll fit on the, with the onboard memory. If you have to sacrifice everything else. Um, right. One thing that's somewhat interesting about this announcement, just from like a publisher side of things, and I, I checked this yesterday. I don't know if it changed within the last 24 hours or not. So it was announced in Japan, this remaster or this port of this remaster. And that's going to be a physical got, Japan too. Yes. Right? And then it was announced in Southeast Asia, like an English Asian version, right? And then Europe announced it. And there's even a post on the Band of Namco Europe site that says it's digital only in the West. But Bandai Namco US, as far as I know, has not mentioned this port at all, anywhere. Not on YouTube, not on their website, not on their Twitter, no press release, nothing. I'm sure it's coming out in the West or in America. It's just kind of strange. <laughs> like, okay. There's yeah. no concrete details about this port in America. Just kind of strange. Bandai Namco America doesn't care about anything except Dragon Ball, right? Yeah, so. pretty much. But... Yeah. It's hard to not feel like there's like that a little like dot hacks last chance to like convince Bandai Namco to like invest in more dot hack stuff, whether it's like re-releases of the original quote, tetralogy. I think it was what we came to the agreement here. Earlier. Not quadrilogy. Um, apparently, that is a bad word. I mean, yeah, the, apparently it's tetralogy, right? Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, or, or or just a brand new dot hack entry, like new game. Um, so it's it's hard to like. I wonder how much like the, not only the Switch but like in general PC PS4 releases just like cumulatively. How much do these games have to sell to convince Bandai Namco? Hey, don't give this, don't give up the series and shelve it forever, because you know it, it kind of feels like that. Which um, there are other properties that sell more for sure, like Sword Art Online, which is. A shame, but I get it. <laughs> a shame. Um, yeah, but all, all, all the best. Uh, they already said that this will be running at 30 FPS, and then we'll run 1080 on docked mode, 720 on undocked. Um, no, no big surprise there due to switches, you know, hardware. So, but it should be fine still. Um, yeah, I, I, all, all the best. To, to hopefully, you know, if you, if you like dot hack, and you have a switch. 
and you would like not hack to continue, then consider maybe supporting this re-release. We actually have a release coming out before the end of this year that has kind of flown under the radar. And that is, uh, this is something that Adam was able to talk about uh, a while back. And that is a expansion for Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. So this was kind of one of those remasters that I think like no one asked for, but a few people in, you know enjoyed just because it was sort of unexpected. Uh, when Re-Reckoning released, we did learn that they were going to release a brand new expansion for it called Fate Sworn, but details had been kind of very slim and on the down low for a long time. I think we did get an update last month about just basically that the work was in progress. And we got a release date just recently that Re-Reckoning Fate Sworn will that expansion to Re-Reckoning will release uh, on December 14th, so in a week or so, for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC, with a Switch version coming next year. So, Adam, I think you're the only one here that's played Re-Reckoning. I do remember that you talking about it at length uh, when you went through it and wrote the review for it. How excited are you for Fate Sworn? Are you even excited? I don't know if excited is the right word. It's just such a weird circumstance that I can't help but find it like interesting. So you take this nearly 10-year-old game whose developer doesn't exist anymore and the the universe is basically all but dead, gets a surprising remaster, which that's that alone is like, okay, I didn't realize that could happen, but it did. And then like we are going to create brand new content for it from like a different developer 10 years later. It's just like it reminds, of the, it reminds me of the, like, the Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 Enhanced Edition. Oh, really. yeah. Like, there's, the, there's, the, there's sort of like now an interquel between Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 that yeah. is made by... Uh, uh, what's that studio's name? Yeah, oh. Beamdog, who handle all the re-release stuff. I actually haven't played that yet. I, I, I literally have a save file right at the start of that. But anyway. Uh, um, all I've yeah, heard from just, it is that feels out of place. That's all I've heard from Yeah, that, exactly. I've heard that too. But uh, yeah, it's just like... Uh, an expansion to a storyline 10 years later i have to imagine it's going to be weird and maybe not in the good way sometimes weird is good but um one thing i did notice is like they released like five screenshots of this re of this expansion but they're just sort of like i don't know you can take a look at them they're just like environments and they're just like okay and you know it's a re-release of a playstation 3 xbox 360 era game so it doesn't look the the Fantastic. biggest the, the biggest uh kingdoms of Amler fans are looking at those screens like oh my god it's gonna be in this expansion that's crazy I cannot Wait, believe I'm gonna go there but like the trailer itself I thought this was kind of funny it doesn't it doesn't actually use like in engine footage it's just like it's like a it's like a cartoon like a puppet thing that they do like it's just you know like a, it's just like an abstract trailer like they didn't want to actually show it. And it's like, I wonder what it actually looks like. <laughs> so this is in a week, and we good. don't know what it looks like. Nice. I mean, we have a, we do have a few screenshots. Like, I'm looking at one here with a few, like, spider things. I don't know. They're spiders. They're, they're fun. But um, it's just, like, I wonder. I like spiders. Spiders are oh. cool. But oh, anyways, it's just, I'm like, I, I will probably check this out. Probably not this year. I just have too much to do. But, like, just out of just sheer curiosity, even if it's bad, just, like, what is this? So... It yeah. is kind of just like out of, you know, I do not know if I'm excited for this, but the fact that you exist is so bizarre that I'm interested inherently. What if, okay, what if at the end of the next expansion it teases a sequel? Huh. Uh, 2. I, considering, so this is from THQ Nordic. 
who is a part of the, uh, what's it called? Embracer, like, conglomerate. And they always tout, like, how many new games they have in development. And, like, I don't, I wouldn't put it past them if they have the rights to, like, create a sequel, to have, like, to, cre- to ha- grab one of their literally hundreds of studios to <laughs> create a, a, a sequel. So I, 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 I would not be surprised. I don't think it's like a priority, but I would not be surprised if someone is like trying to green light a sequel for the Xbox five generation or whatever. So. And I guess that'll be eligible for something next year. <laughs> Best continuing support, I guess for 2022. Yeah, I never know. Maybe it's fucking amazing, dude. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, let's be optimists. Uh, we did get an update, too. We've avoided talking about it at length so far, but I guess we'll talk about it a little here. Uh, update for Shin Megami Tensei Five that, surprisingly, when we shared this news on Twitter, kind of took off, because I guess a lot of people were looking forward to this. The update is version 1.02, and it mainly affects two things, as far as I can tell. Well, three things. One of them is that it, it gives you options for increasing the like camera angle field of view. Hooray, because I think... That's, uh, that's the big one. That has to be the big one. Well, I remember last week or the week before saying, like, I wonder if it's so close because they do that for performance concerns. And now they're like, well, we're going to allow you to to pull it it out. So to uh, have a a wider field of view. So like, okay, I guess they're going to go do that anyways. And then uh, they allowed uh, changes to brightness, which seems weird to come in a post-release patch because usually that's like, usually if a game has one or two settings, it has like sound volume and brightness. But now there will be a, a new brightness setting. They've added and, standard features to the video game. Yay. But the fun thing about the brightness setting, oh, fun. I don't know if that's the right word. But Adam, isn't there like a caveat that says on max brightness, some things might look weird, basically? So first of all, this patch notes, these patch notes were in Japanese. I don't think this update is actually out in English yet. It's or at not. least it wasn't like that. As of a day ago, or, which is yeah, sort of as, of, as of the sort time of the recording, when, I, when like, I last played uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five, it said version one point oh one for me, so not yet. Yeah, but anyways, um, yeah, it said something like, "Be careful. Sometimes, if you have it on max brightness, it might be too bright." I think it's like a seizure warning. <laughs> uh, okay, that's that's more fair. Brightness, bright. There are some places in the game, like the third area, that are a little bit dark, so maybe people want to increase the brightness. But the the camera thing is sort of the main thing. I still, um, I still want to see a fairy village in max brightness. Yeah, yeah that, that, that place is a lot of blue. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's like burning on my screens immediately. What the hell? And then here's the last change that says a slight tweak has been made to the third floor of the Demon's King's castle, simplifying the number of jumps needed to be made. And as someone who just recently gone through the castle, like I thought it was pretty straightforward. There were some parts on the third floor where I had to like engage my brain and be like all right if i need to get over there and this is where the so i guess i need to back up in shin megami tensei 5 there is a dungeon like area late in the game where there's these like wind vents that you have to time when you stand in front of them to either be launched up or sideways across the gap and as you go through the dungeon they get a little bit more intricate but but not that intricate it's like it's usually like there's one obvious path when you get to the third floor which i believe is the last floor you have to think a little bit more because you have to like chain a few in a row and it was, you know, it was it was fine. It was perfectly serviceable as a dungeon puzzle in, a, in an RPG. But now I guess they're simplifying it, and you don't have a choice. So yes, uh, yeah. I actually I actually find this a little bit of a bummer because like the Shin Megami Tensei series, especially on the PS2, had some like really fun and tricky dungeons. 
but uh, I guess in the modern paradigm of JRPGs, just broadly, I gather, I observe that people don't really care for dungeons much anymore, which is kind of sad. So people must have complained about this section, about like it's too tricky or it's too cumbersome or whatever. So they're streamlining it, it sounds like. And they're just going to be, I guess it'll just be less jumps, less, uh, that's what they say, less jumps, but less, you know, simplifying the mechanics. Yeah, so uh-huh. it's just like, it kind of it kind of bumps me out that they took like the one part of Shimigami Tensei Five that kind of felt like a classic SMT dungeon. That third floor of the Demon King Castle is like the one part that sort of felt like a good dungeon. Because the other dungeon, the Temple of Eternity, just kind of is whatever overall. Like, there's no saving that. But this was like the one part that felt like a good dungeon. And then they're just like, they're removing the dungeon-y aspect of it. So it's just kind of like, I find it a little bit of a bummer, to be honest. Look, look, man. The, the, this think, think about it like this. Re- remember, SMT5, is, I think, is directed by like an Etrian Odyssey dude. Yeah, which is also strange. It's like, Etrian Odyssey is a dungeon. What does this mean for the future of Etrian Odyssey? What ha- are there no more Dungeon Etrian Odyssey? <laughs> the next Etrian Odyssey is going to be set in an open world. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Fuck! Can you imagine? It's like the, no. the, the, one, the, the one core thing about Etrian Odyssey that its whole fan base likes is that it's like a dungeon crawler, and they take that out. It's going to be a story-based game, like oh, how Jesus everything Christ. is now. Open world no, Etrian Odyssey. That open is like- world. Story based Etrian Odyssey. Oh, Can you, if, if I heard those words behind Etrian Odyssey, I'm like, oh my god, the series is done. <laughs> That's it. But okay, uh, Shimagami Tensei 5 got a nice little quality of life update. Maybe it would have been nice if the dungeon tweak was like kept to the story mode pre DLC version. And uh, maybe I, like program, programmatically, no, should, that was. They should have it like the fucking uh, Magatama or Ritama DLC, which is a toggleable option. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, just there's one, one option in the menu. Do you want normal castle or easy castle? <laughs> and reload <laughs> if you're in it. So. Oh, Jesus. But. But it is there. It's not out yet at the time of recording. Uh, but it's you know mostly just a couple quality of life tweaks that I think the game needed. At least the first few things. At least the first one thing, I suppose. I don't know if it really needed brightness settings, but it'll have them now. Uh, Paper Mario is coming to the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack uh, this week on December 10th. The original N64 game that is actually still an RPG that I think most of us think pretty fondly of that have played it. So I don't know if it's pretty darn good, like, honestly. Pretty, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and like, is this the? I, first... I wonder. Go ahead, Josh. I wonder. I wonder if it like the, the the weird input lag that the Switch emulator has for N sixty four. If that'll affect anything in the game, like, if like, will it just feel weird to like the average person or not? Because that, that, that it does have some pretty time based things. Yeah, it's, it, like, it it's turn based, which some people always kind of use as a crutch for like, eh, it doesn't need a good frame rate or input lag if it's turn based. But we've already talked about Shimagami Tensei 5. It has some weird like performance hicks, uh, hiccups where even though it's turn based, it's really frustrating that it doesn't run better. And I know that's more frame rate than input lag, but you know, there are some sort of platformy ish puzzles. You know, it is still a Mario game. Anyway, that Mario. game sucks, man. I'm telling you, like, the, like, the play, like, try to get through menus of that game. It's just like, sucks yeah uh but i don't know if this makes the expansion pack on nintendo switch online worth it that's the one that basically makes it 50 dollars a year instead of what 30 20 20 
Well, it's I believe some of the prices, if you're just a single person getting the normal Switch Online, it's $20. If you're a single person getting the expansion pack, it's $50. I'm pretty sure it's a $30 jump because that includes N64, uh, Genesis, the yeah, stuff like the Happy Home even, thing. Because the, because the family pack is like inherently more expensive but could be cheaper depending on how you divide it I up. think the family pack is... For the expansion pack is eighty dollars, yeah. But for up to eight people, I might get some of those numbers wrong. No, but it's more expensive. It. I mean, you could get eight people, but I don't know. Yeah. I would pay thirty dollars extra for Super Nintendo, but I, I wouldn't pay thirty dollars extra for N sixty four. Yeah, for as an RPG website, I actually kind of casually mentioned this in the post about this and the reporting about it. Is there aren't actually that many RPGs on the N sixty four? They're just not. Paper Mario is like. One of the few. Tactics Ogre 64, dude. Quest 64. Yeah, there's Tactics. Yeah, Quest 64. And just, just to numbers. just to make sure the prices are labeled right, you have the single person the single individual prices right. $20 for Nintendo Switch Online, $50 for the expansion pack, which includes Nintendo Switch Online. For family, it goes from 35 to 80. So 30 wait, where'd the 35 come from? For for family pack, Nintendo Switch Online only, no expansion pack. Ah, okay. I got so, all four prices now. Okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Paper Mario is a great game, and now it'll be somewhat convenient to play. I don't, I don't know if I'd pay fifty bucks just for Paper Mario, but uh, there it is. We have learned through a publishing announcement that Mercury Steam, the creators of Metroid Dread and the Lords of Shadow Castlevania series, is working on a new action RPG with Five Hundred Five Games, codenamed Project Iron. Now we don't, or iron, 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 uh, iron. yeah, well, I, it's, uh, iron, iron, iron. <laughs> I just said that word like five times in a row for no reason. Any anyway, project iron from Mer- Mercury steam. Now, uh, no real other details known other than like some of the investment numbers. I guess that the, the IP will be co-owned between Mercury steam and five Oh five games. Uh, the initial development investment is 25 million euros. We don't know. Uh, it's an action RPG. Uh, a third-person action game, a third-person action RPG set in a dark fantasy world, which is kind of like the widest umbrella <laughs> I think you could, the widest net I think you can cast. Uh, and no one's on that before. I yeah. Salt Iron War. <laughs> Salt Iron War. Uh, but so Mercury Steam, I think of two games when I think of them: Lords of Shadow and Metroid Dread. I guess that's because they've also done Samus Returns. They also did like the Mirror of Fate game. I don't know what other projects are under their belt. Based on the description of uh, Dark Fantasy World, uh, I would assume like Lords of Shadow only with stats or damage floaters. Probably not Castlevania. Yeah. uh, No, I I didn't mean like in the Castlevania IP. Right. In that third person. So I haven't played Dread yet. I, I do know, or my, even even though it was kind of like much maligned by the general fan base, I feel like I thought Lords of Shadow had some really fun set pieces and some really good art when it didn't decide to be set in like the real world parking lots and you know garages. <laughs> when it was set in like fantasy castle, you know it was good uh, and had some like really. I, I think I think it looked really nice. And Metroid Dread was obviously received much better. Uh, on a gameplay perspective as well. So then working on an action RPG, I kind of think of this as sort of like the Moon Studios from Ori. They're working on an action RPG as well. So these 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 studios that have a pretty good pedigree, I think maybe Moon Studios is better than Mercury Steam in general because both Ori games are so well received. But like, yeah, and I guess also um, Playground Games working on Fable. It's interesting to see these uh, studios kind of branching out and like now they're making RPGs. 
Now, are they going to be like RPG systems? Like, oh, we've got a skill tree in our action game. It's an RPG now. Or is it actually going to be like more um, go farther than that? I guess that'll... Is it, uh, it going to be Guardians of the Galaxy or an RPG? Uh, hey, Guardians of the Galaxy is... I actually really... That's on my list because it had said good word of mouth. Yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 I plan on trying it, but uh, like calling it an RPG is like borderline okay i guess yeah Yeah. well i I was thinking i was thinking like horizon where even we covered it on our site but it's really an open world game with some loot systems that is reminiscent of rpg is that what this uh, we don't know any details on this game so we're speculating at this point what mercury steam is working on uh but that's what qualifies like as long as a game has like uh color sorted loot on it it's automatically rpg to people mm-hmm. it's like it has, damage, it has a number if it has damage floaters or tiered loot is an rpg uh, we don't make the rules we just report on them well, all right this is where we, we don't we don't decide what's an rpg that's the world that decides for us mm-hmm. we, yeah. we don't control anything yeah 505 games has already said that this is an rpg and so that's so yeah. we're just beholden to their definition whatever we're it at is the whims of paid. yep yep uh, probably be a long time before we see it, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it might not, it, it'll obviously be a long time before we see it, but it might not be a, too long before we, you know, get an announcement. I don't know, but uh, just kind of speculation at this point. I'm I'm interested because I've enjoyed Lords of Shadow, and I will, I do have Dread on the list to play. It'll have three factions, and they're fire, and it's and they've uh, are fighting over iron and salt. So <laughs> the iron salt war is about to happen. You're making me hungry <laughs> for salt, not iron. Mm. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> no. Lie to me. We did have an additional delay for a game that was supposed to release in just a couple days. Uh, Demon's Gaze Extra was originally slated to announce to release on December 9th, so just in a couple days. Uh, this is the uh, port of Demon's Gaze that was originally on Vita. It's been delayed a month, so instead of releasing in a couple days, it will instead release on January 6th of next year. So... Uh, did anyone here play the original Demon's Gaze on Vita? I did. I did. Oh, pretty neat. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, so it re- it's a pretty good dungeon crawler. It's actually like, out of all the experience games, it's actually some of the, one of the more unique ones in terms of some of its mechanics. I don't think it all lands quite right or quite well, but there's something to be said for just like trying something new and novel. And I'm specifically referring to how like the demons work in that game, but um. Yeah, they're kind of uh, like they're like not formally in your party ish, but they, they they work with you. It's like having a guest party member at all yeah. times. That sometimes you sort of have to rely on them, but you don't have full control over them. And I know some people that might just be infuriating, you know, like Persona Three or whatever. But um, it's just kind of nice that like sometimes you're just at the whim of what your kind of uncontrollable demon does. So you gotta work around it. Now they call this an enhanced re-release, but I'm trying to look at the. Uh press releases and figure out what does extra have it's oh i I found a few things uh including the addition of a high-speed battle function a retry function and enhanced autopilot uh so it looks like a lot of kind of like gameplay convenience apparently also easier Hmm. so the original game was somewhat tough and a new new job category like uh what is it i forget machina like machinist oh yeah machina yeah so so releasing for switch and PlayStation 4 i forget if i said that already uh next year early january hey january was pretty sparse uh, when we talk about q1 of next year so uh, if they need an extra time another, to... an... good 
Another somewhat interesting bit about this release is that it's being published by Clouded Leopard Entertainment, which they're like a Chinese-based company, and but they they sort of have just started dipping their toes into like worldwide English localization. Uh, they're doing this. They're doing Relayer, which is coming out in February. Um, so it'll be sort of interesting, like how that how that works, <laughs> like yeah. how that how that shapes up. I'm pretty sure, like, if you look at the uh, press release for Demon Gaze, it says there is going to be, like, a package version. It's a little bit, like, vague. Like, are they talking about, like, an Asian package version? Are they actually going to be, like, distributing, like, a retail game version of this in the U.S.? I feel it's, like, it's, like it, 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 it seems new, like, it seems implausible, like, they're a brand yeah. new publisher trying to, no, they're not a new publisher, a new English Western publisher in the West. But, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I, I, I highly doubt it. It have to be in retail stores already, like in terms of like being available mm-hmm. to pre-order and shit. Like, it, they'd have yeah. There's no way it's, it's getting a physical release in the in the West, like officially. Maybe like in Southeast Asia thing, but right. Just the logistics don't don't match up if that's already the exactly. case. That's why I brought it up. Just like, yeah. huh. okay. I think we might have talked about this in passing last week because it was uh, kind of teased on a website. But we uh, got the full announcement today that another Eden will be having an upcoming collaboration event on December 9th with Chrono Cross, of all things. Now, obviously, this is coming in the same window of time where Chrono Cross has kind of been in the discussion lately due to its presence on the various NVIDIA GeForce leaks and so much rumor mongering about whether a remaster is on the way or, or even a full-fledged remake on the way. And now another Eden, a game that I feel like it's kind of gone under the radar since it uh, released on PC at earlier this year. Now it's having a collaboration specifically with Chrono Cross. And, you know, people are more, seem like they're more eager in that news aspect and what it might be betraying more than the collaboration itself. I don't know. Uh, I don't well, know. That's what people like. People like something they, they know. Well, wow, <laughs> so. I absolutely despise Chrono Cross with a passion. So <laughs> I, I'll pass this because the reason I never played Enter Eden because I hated the writer from Chrono Cross, so I just I just refuse to touch this game. So this collab means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> it means so less than nothing. <laughs> I love we, it. I love we need, it. We need we need more just like fervent antagonism on this podcast. We just just say I, I I hate this thing. Obviously, another Eden from its conception was a spiritual successor to the Chrono series. It's, you know, Masato Kato is the main person behind it in this crossover. He's in the writer and director. Um, Yasunori Mitsuda is not, like, the main composer of the game, but he did the main theme for another Eden. But he's, like, uh, uh, he supervises the music of the game. Well, for this uh, collaboration and uh, for a lot of another Eden's OST, uh, Shunsuke Tsuchiya and Mariam uh, Abunasser. Sorry if I butchered that last name it's like it's uh, i apologize but uh, the, they're working on the music for this crossover and they've done tracks for another eden as well um it's a it, it's a really cool because another eden is like a fully single player story rpg that just happens to have a gotcha system in it because it's free to play game on uh, that originally released on mobile um i i played it when first launched the global version uh it's pretty cool i put like Maybe over forty hours into it, uh, getting to like, the first part of the story. Like, there, like, there's more. There's more story expansions. There's like this first arc that takes, you know, it's like a fully featured game, and then the, it, of course, because it's an ongoing live service game, they add more and more story and content into it with events. Um, then the cool thing about another Eden 
is that no, nothing is like limited time only. The only thing that's limited time is like banners, obviously. But for like stuff like new content that they're adding, that's always permanent in the game. Even collabs, like the previous collabs with Persona 5 and the Tales of series, those are still available because they're permanent add-ons and Chrono, this Chrono Cross collab will be permanent because that's just the way it operates. Um, so Yeah, that's kind of nice. Yeah, there's no rush to it. Um, it's, no, it's no, no. Just a question. Um, what do they do with collab characters that they were trying to get them? Would they be oh. like limited SSR or something? No, no, collab characters are not in the gacha at all. You obtain all of them through playing through the events uh, of those. Uh, it, the, only, the only thing that's like that will take you time about them is like fully uncapping them because you have to grind materials to fully uncapped them you'll know, like there's like certain skill boards that like are open to you that give stats and new skills but then if you want like higher ranking skill boards they may like it require more investment so like you might need to grind for like materials and uh like you know in those like events to fully like uncap them but n- nothing nothing is gotcha uh, about the, the collab characters you just got you just get them for free and then uh, invest in them like invest time into them um there, there are cool things uh, specific to this collab. Um, all those, all these collabs are called symphonies. Uh, they're like siloed off, so like they're like a, a, a like an option you put, you pick in the main menu, and then it will warp you to that like content in the game. So for this collab, uh, you will uh, Surge, Kid, and Harl will join you uh, as playable characters, and then you can keep them when they join you. Uh, it like you know into the main game as well, uh, but but then th- there are other Chrono Cross characters that will appear in this collab. They've uh, said that Lynx, Glenn, and Starkey will uh, appear here, uh, like for the. I don't story. remember Starkey at all. Starkey. Like the other five are. Yeah, I remember. Stark- I don't Starkey's remember Starkey. Like the blue-headed thing with the. Yeah, I saw him. Like, yeah. There's so many characters in the yeah, game. That, I probably just like benched. I probably got him and benched him in every. Stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. there's a game lot has. of characters in. Right, it's like forty I something. Think, I think there's forty-five that you can get per yeah. playthrough. There's a shitload. And yeah, Chad, it's all of them. I, I, well, the thing is, they have no screen time or development. So, what's the point of adding so many characters? Hey, look, at, look at this guy. He's he, he's talking like, like, it. it needs to have story and plot for all the characters. If they, if they don't have a single they, player RPG, okay. They don't well, have to, any, be, to be clear, I have no problem with that. Like one of my favorite games ever is The Last Remnant, and that game has several characters. You kind of have to like pick and choose which ones you use, and they're not like relevant to the story. But the, it you made Star Ocean two, by the way. Well, Star Ocean 2 has, like, no, to the know, like, this or that. Oh, yeah. But you can also reject them and not have them join you, and you can beat the whole game <laughs> with just two people. Do you hate this Wicked in games, huh, Chow? No, I do not. Okay, but those have a shitload of characters sometimes. Yeah, but they don't always join your party. I mean, they could end up in your, you know, in your Not floor. all of them elaborate backstories, Chow. Some of them's like, I'm a fucking chef. I like yeah, to make but is there a chef that you can get in Chrono Cross? <laughs> Probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That works at your so. kitchen? I think so, actually. <laughs> now what, Chow? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't have like any hard like opinion on Chrono Cross either way. I'm like, yeah, Me too. I, like, I was like, I, th- I really like the setting and the atmosphere of, of Chrono Cross. I think and it's the a, music it's is a, good. Yeah, the music is good. I think it's a really ambitious game. I don't think it comes together like all that well gameplay wise, but I think it's, it was a really ambitious game for its time. And like, I think I think it's too chained down by people saying, there's not the Chrono Trigger 2 I wanted. I'm like, all right. All right, I get it. It's the last Jedi of video games, okay? What the f***? 
You need to stop making movie comparisons to your <laughs> fucking <laughs> this guy. Uh, there are some new uh, features that uh, are exclusive to this another Eden Chrono Cross cl- collab. Uh, so it's just going to be available in that uh, symphony. Um, one is New Game Plus because how this uh, collab is structured is you either take uh, after the beginning you either take a Kid or Harl with you, like you make a choice between them, and like the base stories are the same, but there will be different events along the way depending on whether you p- pick between Kid or Harl. Um, and then so in New Game Plus, you can uh, redo it, and then you can pick the other character and then see the other events uh, well, with them, like whatever transpires in it. There will be uh, sub-events in this uh, collab. So, you know, there will be fo- some focusing on Chrono Cross characters to other, the, or like uh, small stories around, about the town that you visit there. Um, some of the sub-events have special conditions that only occur in like certain branches on it. So there's a certain form of like you know, non-linear storytelling. Uh, you know, I, it's going to be probably limited in scope, but, you know, something nice to have. Um, and some some sub-events can, uh, can like, they can be replayed on New Game Plus if you want to see the other branching uh, outcome in these sub-events. Um, they are, they're also taking uh, some elements from the Chrono Cross battle system and putting it into this collab, like the element system. So you can equip uh, like different elements on Surge, Kid, and Harl to uh, customize their skills. Um, the, these elements are, are only obtained in this symphony. It's not like a new system for the base game. Um, and then, obviously, as the characters level up, more elements can be equipped onto them up to four. So it's taking that uh, aspect of the Chrono Cross's battle system. And they're also, just for the symphony, they're also including field effects from the Chrono Cross uh, battle system. And these are uh, th- these affect like the type of attacks uh, are are performed, like the, the like the field field conditions change in real time. So you can have specific attacks open up when the field effects uh, change. Um, and then you know th- these are like your standard uh, elements like fire, water, wind, earth, thunder, shade, and crystal. Uh, I actually do not really remember how like the Chrono Cross element it, system quite works yeah like in, it, in chrono cross like yeah. i just i remember there was a little bit of like a tug of tug of war sort of like stacking elements in some way but like i just don't remember how it works specifically yeah, I, don't, I don't remember all the translates either yeah mm-hmm. um they do have like some callbacks to chrono cross in terms of like uh special attacks too like the triple tech attack where the characters yeah. stand like in a triangle formation but have uh like have like the summoning circle sort of deal uh, to make their special attacks like those types of special attacks will be um in like the uh, it, they'll be adapted to a, another Eden's like another force system which is like a system in the game where like you freeze time and like deal as many attacks as possible and then it, it, some of them can lead to special attacks so you can have a combo attack with the chrono cross characters there and it also have a difficulty setting um difficulty difficulty settings for this symphony alone so you can have like you know, from beginner, standard, veteran, expert, and master, and then you'll gain like more experience, money, and resources the higher difficulty it is. So you know, there's there's a fair amount of like replayability in this, uh, like collab. They're really putting forth like you know a lot of effort into it to call back to Chrono Cross. They'll have like original music from Chrono Cross uh, play at certain time, you know, places in the in the collab, along with like new tracks specifically made for this collab. From the composers, um, uh, Suchia and uh, Miriam. 
And uh, I think that's that covers most of it. Uh, I, the in order to like, if people want to try out another Eden to play this, uh, just take note that if you want to play this right away, you have to clear chapter thirteen of the main story uh, to like even start gaining access to it, because that's like most of like when the tutorials and the early game stuff like clear up. And then if you really want to like complete like the whole collab, you have to clear uh, beat part one of the story i don't know how fast it is these days because i took my time with it it should probably maybe take i don't know 15 to 20 hours honestly to clear part one because it was a pretty lengthy game um but you know it, i i might i might check it out i've already i keep telling myself i shouldn't do this but i i sort of reinstalled another eden and then like, got <laughs> i me sort of did yeah, I sort of did. And well, like, I, you can let me know how the voice acting goes because this is the first time you get to hear the Chrono Cross character's voice for the first time, is it? Yeah, yeah. The um, Surge, uh, Kid, and Harl are all voiced. So Surge was previously a silent protagonist, and now um, they have. Th- this is a game that is has dual audio, so it has English and Japanese voices. Um, for Surge and uh, the, for the English cast, it's Ashton Frank as Surge. Sheena May as Kid and uh, Shazia no- Nichols as Harl. I don't recognize and, those names. Yeah, they, they, they which is always like, good. Uh, new blood's good. Yeah, there's a lot of new blood in another Eden's dub. Like, um, th- there's a lot of uh, voice talent that like I don't recognize, but you know they're they're clearly very passionate and enjoy that they have a role in this game. So it's cool that like you'll you'll find a lot of new voice. And there's also a nice talent. like CG trailer for this collab that like shows a lot of these characters in modern, you know, rendered rendering techniques or whatever. So it seems like there's really a lot of kind of almost budget behind it. Yeah. For so, um the Japanese voice cast, you have Hiro Shimono as Surge, Megumi Toyoguchi as Kid and Yukana as Harl. So those are bigger names over there. Uh very recognizable. But you know it's it's gonna start on December 9th. Uh, this 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 uh this starts worldwide simultaneously, so both the Japanese and English servers or global servers will get it uh, at the same time, and it's uh it seems really cool. Like they they're clearly putting a lot of effort behind this collab because it's so you know it resonates so uh, strongly with the staff of another Eden. Uh, so that's I I, I don't know I'll, I'll probably try and we'll, and we'll, and we'll see if it actually has any leads any credence to whether or not. We'll see early next year, or maybe at the Game Awards. Who knows? An, an announcement of uh, anything relating to Chrono Cross being remastered, or whatever the project. What I, I, I haven't been keeping up with the rumors, other than that they're floating around. So yeah. So who knows? Uh, I assume we'll, we'll probably hear something sooner than later if it's real. Speaking of gotcha games, actually, I'm not sure this is a gotcha game. I remember we talked about this a long time ago once, and I believe Chow played it. And we, I remember watching either Chow or Josh playing it a little bit. Uh, Blaze Blue, Blaze Blue, Alternative Dark War is. We talked about it. I remember us talking about it, but it's been a while, and I also didn't like have any passion for it, so my brain didn't retain it. Uh, Good, that's the, that's e- the right answer. It either has shut down or will shut down less than a year since it uh, since it launched. So, yeah, it's, it's shutting down on January 31st uh, next year. It, it launched on February 16th of this year. So um, very, very short uh, lifespan for a gacha game. Yes, it does. It is it is a free-to-play mobile game released in Japan. So there's like a 98% chance it probably yeah. has a gacha system. And it does. I, I did play it for like about uh, a month and a half to two months. Um, the thing is, nobody wanted this game. We wanted a new fighting game, but nobody wanted a gacha game. <laughs> 
I don't know, man. Some Blaze Blue diehards are like, this game is fucking. There's everything I want from Blaze Blue. There's so much lore and characters, and it's so good. Wasn't this the game where like half the animations use like bright flashes to like for impacts and hits or whatever? Yeah. So the God, I fucking hated that. Yes. So 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 for whatever reason, the one thing I remember. I assume I I I think they toned it down in a patch. I I think they did, but like it sucked when that was a thing. I was like, I need sunglasses. This is making me, this is making me high start. <laughs> the legacy of Blaze Blue Alternative Dark War. So. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, uh, there's no like follow up to Blaze Blue after this. We don't know where Blaze Blue is going to be at uh, after this. Who knows? So, Blaze Blue fans, I'm sorry. This RPG didn't, the going RPG didn't work out. Uh, so, goodbye to Blaze Blue Alternative Dark War. There's not much else to say. Uh, other than that, they they tried their best, but damn, this thing was tanking for months. They tried they to like got that Grand Blue cl- collab. <laughs> yeah, they tried. They, yeah, they tried to garner interest by like collabing with Grand Blue, so they have like the main heroine of Grand Blue, Jita, like in it. And then people were like, "Okay, great." <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, lesson learned, you know. Sorry, Mori, it's, it's not meant to be. Yeah, I, I was a true Blaze Blue fan. I, I tried to play this game. I was like, "All right, I'll give it a chance," and I was like, "This game sucks." But you gave it a long chance, a month and a half. You, I you, know, you gave it a real uh, try. I, I wasn't the top BBW player on, uh, in the West, unfortunately. I saw some people say, "Oh, I played this game." They showed like their accounts and like everything's maxed. Like I was a real diehard Blaze Blue Dark War. I was the best Western player. I'm like, "All right," uh, so yeah. I concede. I'm not the. I'm not. I'm not the biggest diehard Blaze Blue fan. Thank God. The last bit of news is not specifically about RPGs or even RPG adjacent games. Uh, it's just about Sony services in general. And this is a report out of Bloomberg, so not officially announced by Sony. Uh, and then, of course, the Bloomberg report has been other people that have inside knowledge have been kind of like teasing what they know or might know. And that is basically a potential competitor to Microsoft's Game Pass subscription service. So obviously, Sony already has PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. According to Bloomberg's report, this new subscription service would essentially be a three-tier service that effectively combines those those current offerings. It's codenamed as Spartacus. And the three tiers, according to Bloomberg, are as follows. The first tier would basically be the existing PlayStation Plus. The second tier would also, on top of that, offer a large catalog of PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games, so basically like an instant library. Now, this is the, the thing that people have really been latching onto, and that is a third tier that would add game streaming and a library of classic PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and PSP games. So we remember we had a pretty big uh, hoopla earlier about those games no longer being accessible as those services kind of shut down and eventually there was a the uh the u-turned on some of those decisions but a lot of those games still are kind of tied to those hardware and are not conveniently playable on playstation 4 or playstation 5 so this new service would seem to address that the one caveat though is that this uh potential competitor to game pass would likely according to jason schreier not offer game one new titles in the way that game pass does if they're microsoft published yeah yeah but basically it just seems kind of like playstation now playstation plus plus so kind of their existing services kind of 
rebranded. PlayStation likes to rebrand their stuff, I feel like, uh, into kind of a new paradigm to sort of more closely align it with what Game Pass offers. And based on, obviously, I, I don't know the dollars offhand or the number of subscribers, but Game Pass, I know, has been made a, quite a splash in terms of the uh, amount of users that it's had and at least, at least the amount of discussion that it generates. And so I don't think that this is entirely unexpected, that they would try to counter it in some way. And obviously, these details are, again according to Bloomberg, not from the horse's mouth. Uh, so take them all with a grain, grain of salt in terms of the, the actual tiering and what each tier will offer. And we don't know any details on pricing or things like that. Uh, depending on the game library that they offer, you know, I'll, I'll fucking do third tier right, right away. Fuck it, man. But it better be a damn good like offering uh, for out of the gate because there's a lot of damn good games on... <laughs> Throughout PlayStation, the the only Sony Sony devices, PlayStation, PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three, and PSP, nothing else yep. has ever come out of PlayStation. <laughs> oh, by by the way, the, in the Bloomberg report, uh, it says documents reviewed by Bloomberg suggest that Sony plans to retain the PlayStation Plus branding but phase out PlayStation Now, which I think makes sense because I think PlayStation Plus people have kind of you know latched onto, and PlayStation Now kind of has a stigma against it, whether fair or not. So uh, I, I think that makes sense. But again, oh. not formally announced. Well, what happened is like the is Vita just the invisible person now? It's like we don't we don't see you. Hey, I, I, want, to tell you, you? I want to tell you a small story. So I went to a movie right. theater yesterday, first time since okay. the before times of the what pandemic. Were you, what, were you, what were you watching? What were you watching? Uh, Dune, Dune. Okay. So I don't watch a lot of movies, but a few a few coworkers wanted to go see it, and I said, "Sure, why not?" The theater was mostly empty, so I, I felt safe, and I, I had my mask, and I socially distanced, all that. And in the lobby, they had like these old arcade systems, like those like those machines, like grab machines. Only they were uh, little like cards that you would then turn in. And in those, uh, there were uh, I could have won a PlayStation Vita or a Nintendo DS XL. So this is this Ooh, is like I, I feel like I feel like I traveled back in time a decade or whatever. <laughs> and then also, this is my favorite one: uh, an iPod Shuffle. Like the ones that clip on, like that yeah. don't have a screen. So I'm like, they they did have a Nintendo Switch also. So it's like it wasn't completely outdated stuff. But I'm like a Nintendo Switch, a Vita, a DSi XL, and an iPod Shuffle. I could that have won. So sick man, I would have tried to get a DSi XL or the Vita. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So that, that that story had no point to it. But I was like, oh yeah, the Vita. What a what a champ. Uh, Still, still making not it in Sony's like, eyes. Yeah, apparently not in Sony's eyes. But uh, I don't know. This seems smart. This seems good. It'll be interesting to see how the actual offering uh, lines out once they formally, you know, give us details. Uh, I hope. I hope they allow for local game downloads. I don't want everything to be tied to game streaming. I think that's the the, the my one main concern is like I I'm not comfortable in leaving everything uh, paying for a service just to gain access via streaming. Well, yeah, I remember I uh, PlayStation Now does support some local game downloads. I don't know the details because I've never used it myself, but I remember that's kind yeah, of been part of it. Yeah, they eventually added that. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't there off the off the off out of the gate, but but I um, I remember um, I believe it was Kyle Orland who uh, mm-hmm. what 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 does he what does he write for again? I can figure this out. I can. I, I remember he had a some sort of poll where he's like, "Did you know that PlayStation Now can support game downloads and not just streaming?" And most people didn't, the majority. So I think that's a mm-hmm. communication error and like the kind of like a first impression that they could never quite wash off of PlayStation Now. So if the that, that just leads more credence to trying to drop that branding and try to fold it into yeah, into they should, PlayStation like, Plus. That, that should be like that should be like a, a dedicated bullet point with like 
visuals. Yeah. You know? yeah. PlayStation Plus, you own these games on your console. And even like these, uh, you know, what was previously streaming only, you can own whatever the, whatever the offering ends up being. So you can download the, I just thought you can download any of these games locally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be the Including, way to go. Yeah. Chrono Cross. That's, that's your Chrono Cross remastered right there. It's uh, the PlayStation now version. The PlayStation Plus new tier three option. Yeah. I guess. Man, this has a lot of potential. I don't know if they're going to get there, but I sure hope they do. Yep. That'd be uh, amazing to like play just like these games on a modern console without having to go through the hassle of either digging out old hardware or resorting to like, you know, emulation. Well, we, uh, when you, when you, Adam and Kite kind of put together those lists of all the RPGs that were on those systems that you would be able to still play, but no longer download. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of gems in there, even just on the RPG front, ignoring other genres. So even if they make a fraction of those available, that would be, you know, to play on PlayStation four or five, you know, I do wonder also like, cause there'll be region differences, right? Like how Nintendo switch online does it like, mm, that's a good point. There'll be different catalogs per region. I imagine, which, yeah. you know, Hopefully, it's one of those things that's like it's still easily accessible, like on Nintendo Switches. Is as, as long as you have an active, uh, uh, like you know, Switch Online account, you can still access any of the regions, no problem. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, if it does have different catalogs per region, which I imagine it will, it will, it'll be easily accessible. It's not like oh, you need to have like a different subscription to like you know, uh, for this account for to access that. So, if they're gonna go that route, please make it just easily accessible for one account. Even if it's just like Switch user on the PlayStation 4 or 5. And that kind of covers us for news for the for the week. So wrapping up some final thoughts. We, I'm glad we were able to squeeze in Final Fantasy V discussion. Uh, a few other games that will probably show up once we finally get to talking about Game of the Year stuff. Uh, some of the outside of uh, RPG-specific space, like new Amazon shows and Mass Effect and the Sony new subscription service being reported on. As well as, obviously, more releases and release dates and ports coming out to look forward to early next year. All the features that we talked about, including the Ruined King review, the uh, Mass Effect TV show opinion piece, and Adam's Final Fantasy V guide, of which there are also... Adam did the full walkthrough, but there's also like a Blue Mage glossary, uh, you know, some boss strategies. We have a whole bunch of guides on the site for Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster, as well as four and the others. So those are all up there as well as well as all the news we covered. You can find all that information on rpgsite.net. We also have our social media channels on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can join our Discord at discord.gg slash rpgsite if you want to discuss any of the games that we've been talking about. You can also get to the Discord by hitting the link at the top of our homepage. And we will record one more episode, one more regular episode of the Tetracast this year, next week. If anything comes out of the Game Awards, uh, we will give our thoughts on on that, as well as one final like wrap up before we get into our end of year deliberations and where those end up. Until next time, stay safe, take care. We'll talk to you then. Radical dreamers. The better game.